Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Minneapolis. With me is Greg Velasquez in Des Moines. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Hey, thanks for downloading Scuffed. The U.S. defeated Costa Rica 1-0 in Carson, California this afternoon, and while it was hardly a serious match, much of it was slow of pace, and Costa Rica probably had the better chances in the game. I was encouraged. How about you, Greg? Bells, I was very encouraged. I believe we are now the most optimistic U.S. men's national team blog in existence. Blog, podcast? <laughs> blog slash podcast. We don't have a blog, just for the record. <laughs> Um, and no plans for one. But yeah, I mean, it was, from our perspective, just a very pleasant and positive January camp. Right. Like everything about it, the, the call-ups, the uh, the players selected, the lineup trotted out, and then for the most part, the uh, actual product on the field. Yeah, it was pretty good. And and But the lineups and the, the roster call-ups were, were kind of a departure. It felt like a departure from, obviously, January camp last year. But even a departure from the vibe of the the camps that we had in 2019 kind of throughout the year. Right. And I know it comes with the uh, this sort of Olympic caveat where you can where you can easily just sort of say, well, this was mostly an Olympic U23 camp. Uh, I just choose to (laughs) to take it at face value and say this is a perfect use of a January camp, regardless of whether it's an Olympic year or not. Right. It did feel it did feel like the U23 preparation for Olympic qualifying which is in March a big tournament in Guadalajara is was was top of mind for Burhalter but you know even so even so great to see these these young guys with the national team so let's let's start with the lineups you ready to move right into that yeah let's get into these 11s great 11 for the US as soon as i saw it very pleased yeah same here do you want to do, why don't you give the US 11 i'll do the Costa Rica one all right, Sean Johnson had already been announced as the starting goalkeeper, so that was no surprise. Uh, we went with Zimmerman and Long as our two very senior center backs, uh, but then it was uh, Sam Vines and Reggie Cannon at fullbacks, and both of those uh, gentlemen are Olympic eligible. Um, I think that was exactly the way to go. I'd, I'd seen some people saying Gasper had more experience, so Berhalter might go with him, but Gasper has like one extra camp. He got called into a camp last year that like pre pre camp before uh, the November win window after MLS had closed. Uh, and vines actually has more MLS minutes to his name as far as I know. So, yeah. uh, so it's not like, it's not like there's really a, I mean, Gasper is a couple years older by way of being a college graduate, but Gasper has more life experience. <laughs> anyway, uh, midfield three of Jackson, Ewell, uh, Sebastian Legit, and Brandon Aronson. So, I really like that because we all wanted to see what Yule could do about unlocking a, a what we expected to be a pretty uh, defensive-oriented Costa Rica side. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sebastian Legette, because to date, he has not looked bad in a U.S. men's national team uniform. Uh, kept and that, he, he kept he that had, up. And he hasn't played poorly either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Brendan Aronson. <laughs> <laughs> no, it took me a second, but I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brendan Very good-looking man. Very good-looking man. <laughs> He's so handsome. Brendan Aronson, uh, who I was, I was, I didn't care if it was going to be him, if it was Cappy Capis. I believe it's been uh, revealed that it's Christian Capis. His dad calls him Cappy on Twitter. Right, Cappy is the nickname that he would have gotten playing, which makes a ton of sense. Um, or if it had been Brandon Cervania, uh, any of those three. But I'm glad we got to see. I mean, 
it wouldn't have mattered. We got one of the Olympic eligible guys in Aronson. Uh, and then the front line, which I think was the big deal, uh, we got to see Ferreira playing as a nine, and we got to see Ulianas playing uh, on the wing. Left wing. Paul, Paul Areola, the uh, the elder statesman, playing on the right wing. Yep. So we have a lot to talk about there. Uh, I'll I'll go ahead and give the Costa Rica lineup. They had a more experienced side, obviously, largely in their late 20s and early 30s. Some familiar names, at least for me, Johan Venegas and uh, Marcos Arena up top, at least according to Google. I don't think that's exactly how it played out. And then Ariel Lasseter, David Guzman, Yeltsin Tejada, and Ulises Segura across the midfield. And then Ronald Matarita, Giancarlo Gonzalez, Kaner Brown, and Keisher Fuller across the back with Esteban Alvarado and goal. So this is... Uh, this is a mostly domestic and MLS roster. I think, in, yeah, it's entirely domestic and MLS roster. And by domestic, I mean Costa Rican league. And so it's not it's not close to a first choice Tico squad, but a lot of bunch of players with hundreds of professional reps. On this. Right, they're they're seasoned. Yeah, and and three of them, Ureña, Guzman, and and Venegas were on the field when the Ticos down the U.S. in September 2017. To drive one of the first nails of in the into the coffin of our 2018 World Cup qualification hopes, so you know this is Costa Rica. This is a real Costa Rica team, if not first choice. And we beat them one to zero. Yeah, the kids beat them. I mean, the kids with a couple of uh, a couple of the grownups. We we didn't just beat them like. Uh, and and I know there's a there's a lot to say about who controlled the game. Uh, by way of who's attempting to control the game and Costa Rica very clearly were not attempting to control the game as far as controlling possession. But to be fair, like we, I think we still did a very good job of sort of uh, finding little seams and little gaps in Costa Rica's defense. So it wasn't just, we didn't just possess in areas where Costa Rica wanted us to possess. Mm -hmm. Am I getting too far ahead? No, no, no. I think that's a good thing to talk about. Uh, don't you think that our ability to possess in places that Costa Rica didn't want us to possess the ball started to diminish after, say, the 15th, 20th minute? I think it did, but then I think it sort of swung back after, uh, even even towards the end of the first half, uh, I thought we started to get a hang of it. Um, should, we, should we talk about how Costa Rica set up to kind of to kind of frame that? Yeah, absolutely. I need you to talk about that. <laughs> so it looked like they uh, set up originally in like a 4-4-2. Passive. They weren't pressing. They were kind of just going to sit back and absorb pressure. And uh, we exploited that almost instantly by hitting Ferreira uh, coming back uh, from from his position as a nine to end up being kind of like a, another central midfielder. Yeah. Uh, and it was a, it was a, exactly uh, the example of what I thought Jazzy Zardes has been so inefficient at doing, so ineffective mm-hmm. uh, at doing. And and I don't think that's on him. He's never been that kind of player. So to the all of 2019, we were sort of asking him to do that and building a system around a forward doing that. And he hasn't been very good at that. He's uh, never, been, he's never been good at that. Right. That's, career, that's, right. that's, you're putting him, you're not putting him in a position to succeed. Ferreira came in and within like eight minutes had, uh, three or four, uh, like three or four clips that we could put together where he's now sort of already eclipsed Giazzi as a player who can, who can play that role, who can do that role for the team. Yeah, there was one in particular where Jackson Ewell found Ferreira. Uh, I don't know at the at the top of the center circle, and then Ferreira turned and quickly played Leggett, and then Leggett hit it wide to 
to Giannis, Giannis. where it was just, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing like majestic about it. It was just very clean and efficient. And he found that little pocket. You will found him and we're off. Right. And this, th- that's exactly why we've spent so much time and energy sort of harping on the, the Zardes selections. It's because it doesn't take anything incredible to vastly improve on that particular trait uh, in the player pool. So you don't have to have Josie Altor. It doesn't have to be Altor. And I know uh, Ferreira has just come eligible for the U.S., but like it was just hard to believe that the options were Altador or Zardes, and those were only two for that role. If you wanted to have your striker do a bunch of other stuff, there's stuff that Zardes would be good at for that. But in this particular sort of scheme that Berhalter has been trying to run, to to in, to install Ferreira like made us look instantly more effective. Yeah, at least more effective at getting into the attacking third, right? Yes, yes, very much so. So the the did they sh- change their shape? Did Costa Rica change their shape? As the yeah, they. By? I, like uh, around 25th, 26th minute, they started sagging into a 4-5-1, uh, a very deep, like super deep 4-5-1. Mm. And this is where, uh, for me, like the game, I, I was worried we were going to kind of completely go full January. I'd kind of I'd kind of stress this ahead of the game talking with you guys that my worry was if Costa Rica just clogged the middle and denied us access into that central midfield channels. Uh, we would end up just sort of keeping the ball, but just going Zimmerman to long to Zimmerman to, to long and never, never really accomplishing anything. And there, uh, was a, there was a lot of Zimmerman to long going on. So, yep. Zimmerman to long to Yule. So, that, so Yule would kind of sit back and you just had that three player triangle. Uh, Cannon and Vines both got high up the pitch. Uh, and so you just had that sort of build out three plus Sean Johnson, but we didn't have to go back to Sean Johnson very often. Um, That's true. Because Costa Rica, again, sat incredibly deep. But the difference here is when Costa Rica got into that 4-5-1, after, a long t- after you know, several passes in that triangle, I feel like what we used to see is we'd get impatient and maybe like just lump a ball forward or hit something that was too ambitious. Uh, what we saw today was after a while, Jackson Yule would actually hit a really nice threaded ball on the floor just up to like Sebastian Legette or just up to Uliana sort of in a seam. And we used to not really get that pass. Mm. Uh, I don't think we got that pass very often from Will Trap. Um, but Ewell uh, could disguise it. He could sort of shift the defense with his hips, uh, and then he would—he's able to just sort of hit that subtle pass. It Doesn't—it's not a super flashy pass, but it—it's enough to unlock that first line of defense, and then it at least gives us chances to get into some attacking patterns. Right, and Legit and. And Giannis both had a good game at receiving the ball in that space and being able to turn and, and into the teeth of the defense, you know, yep. which is which is a skill that is not um, sort of universally present in the player pool. Right. And it's one of the reasons we've all we, we've also on this podcast kept wondering why Legette hasn't gotten more minutes because he is he has actually done this very frequently when he's been in the game. He has not been in games very frequently. Yeah. He, he's, I mean, more recently he was, you know, he was, he was a starter in the win over Canada, the important win over Canada by CONCACAF Nations League standards, important. Um, <laughs> but yeah, before that he, he, he struggled for consistent uh, runouts. And, and kind of while we're on that point of, of the point being uh, Jackson, you will finding that pass that uh, prevented us from slipping into center back to center back to Jackson, you uh, infinity passes. 
Um, I saw a lot of people saying it was, Jackson, you will look really good today, but I still want to know how he looks against like real pressure. And I agree that's important, but it's I think it's also super important to see what Jackson Ewell looks like against no like on the ball pressure, but picking out passes against a really set parked defense. Like I think that is probably going to actually be more important in qualifying than seeing how Jackson Ewell does against a high press or against, you know, a, a, uh, a more aggressive defense. Cause I think that has always been our issue with qualifying is that we can't actually break down teams that are parked. So for Ewell to do that, I think is actually the most important skill that we need to see from him. If he can't do it against teams that are pressing really high, that's fine. We have yeah. other players who can beat teams that press high and we can beat them in other ways, but we haven't consistently been able to beat teams that sit deep. And so you will showing off that sort of repertoire and uh, legit and, you know, maybe Yana is showing off that they can do something once they get the ball. That for me goes actually a really long way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I guess the, the point about, is Yule going to be able to handle like a faster paced game? You can still have a team sitting way deep and playing at a faster pace, right? I mean, uh, where the game is just more intense and the, everybody's closing faster. There's more desperation from the other team. The sort of thing you might see in a World Cup qualifier. So I, I think, yes, I agree with you, but I also think it's still a legitimate question to ask whether Yule can handle, uh, you know, the intensity of like a World Cup qualifier. Yeah, that's that's fair to say too. If, if this were actually uh, Costa Rica uh, in the hex, maybe they are a little more urgent in closing down some of those lanes that Ewell was picking out. Anything else tactically you want to talk about? What about what the U.S. was doing or about how Costa Rica responded? Uh, well, let's just let's just hit one thing right away that uh, defensively the U.S. was still in the four three three that we'd kind of played. Uh, in Orlando against Canada, we were not in our passive 4-4-2 block that we played for most of 2019. Mm-hmm. That That is a very positive step, yeah. very positive sign. A sign that our, our hopes that that would be a permanent thing may be realized. That's that's the, that's the really what we are uh, hoping for here. Because it does, it makes, it makes such a difference. Like Costa Rica had almost no real control of the ball. Like they never would pass through us. They hit us on the counter several times, which we'll get into in the scoring summary. Uh, but there weren't a lot of like extended Costa Rica possessions. Yeah. The, the, we were, I, we'll get into it, I guess, but it did, did seem like we were pretty susceptible on the counter. A more, a, a more clinical team probably would have scored several times, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we can get into that. All right, let's, let's do the scoring summary. Uh, I'll start with this. In the second minute, we are almost hit on the counter after a corner kick. I think it was Urania sprinting down the left wing. Is that right? And then he tried to play a ball across the middle, and only a, like a desperate Ariola um, track back and intervention saved us on. I think what I think was a three v two for Costa Rica. Yeah, they should have. They should have done more with that. Uh... On that one, if you're going to like watch the tape, uh, it's probably Jackson Ewell's job in the, to, to end the counterattack with a cynical foul like 75 yards up the field. It was kind of rolled Donish against Uruguay where he ends up like on a player's back, uh, on a uh, Costa Rican player's back who receives the ball yeah. and then uh, sort of just plays like legitimate defense on him, like uh, honest defense. Too honest, uh, Jackson. Yeah. 
And it's like, don't, that's not your job. Your job is to actually like stop the play at all costs. And that almost always means fouling there. So, uh, you know, just, a hopefully a good learning experience in, in assuming that we sort of have the right, um, analysis of the situation. Maybe, maybe Berhalter and them are watching it saying, here's where we screwed up. But I thought, I thought it was Ewell's job to, to break it up. Okay. Yeah, that's a good, uh, at least a good note to make because um, because Yule did have a pretty good performance as you talked about earlier, but there were maybe a couple of defensive things that we should be worried about. Uh, first ten minutes, I you know we we were creating a little danger. I, I I liked the way we were playing. Ferrero was finding those pockets of space uh, in the in the attacking half and combining efficiently, uh, often with uh, with Leggett or or uh, Aronson. And and Giannis, Giannis was creating a little danger too. Ulianas. Hate to say I told you so. <laughs> what a big day for the scuffed podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean I don't want to be like I don't want to be annoying about it, but like he he looked pretty good, right? Right. It, and just to just to sort of beat this drum one more time and, and I'll be done with it for the for at least the duration of this recording. Uh because we take so much flack for overrating the kids and so much flack about he hasn't even played for the first team. He has zero professional minutes. Like he's playing against 19 year olds. Uh, if you, if, if, if that's really what you think, then it should have been easy to tell who, which one of our players had never played a professional minute before, but that sure wouldn't be the case if you were watching that video. You, if, if Uli Giannis's performance had come from Dwayne Holmes or, Paxton Pomacall or Tyler Boyd, nobody would leave this game saying that was pretty good, but he we can't call him up again unless he really changes his club situation. <laughs> Everyone should be would should be excited for seeing that guy's next game in U.S. Men's National Team shirt. Uh, so that shouldn't change just because Ulianes doesn't have first team minutes with Wolfsburg. Right. You know the thing that. The thing that impressed me most, I mean, we've known that he's, uh, you know, he's a clever attacking player for some, for some time, but the other thing that, that kind of surprised me is how physically up to it he looked. Didn't you think? I mean, he looked, he didn't look smaller than anybody. He didn't look like he was easy to knock off the ball. He won some physical battles. He won a kind of a, kind of an important physical battle with David Guzman, veteran MLS destroyer. I was surprised and pleased by just how physically up for the, the contest he was. Yeah, totally held his own and came out came out on top in a couple of different sort of scrums. Yeah, I know. I know you were big on winning wrestling matches, Bells, and uh, he. <laughs> I'm from he, Iowa. <laughs> he had he had a bunch of times. I don't think he got into a ton of like actual grappling, shirt pulling uh, types of matches, wrestling matches like that. But he did get his body through uh, plenty of times where he ended up, you know, positioning himself between maybe a, a bigger, certainly older player in the ball. So. Uh, yeah, I don't, exactly. I don't think, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that was a liability at all for Ulianis. It might've been a liability in a couple of other areas of the field for us, but not, not for Giannis. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, we, we, we could talk about him some more. Let's talk about him some more. We don't have to, <laughs> we'll do it later. 14th minute was the first big U S chance. It was uh cannon to Ferreira in zone vo- zone 14. So the aforementioned, uh, Jesus Ferreira. And he just kind of turned and played a, uh, a nicely weighted ball in behind for Ariola, and Ariola took a shot from not a terrible angle, a pretty decent angle, and it was saved. I think, I think he hit it right at the keeper, pretty much. Maybe could have slid it across for Giannis on the back post. I don't know. I I guess I'm I 
I'm kind of agnostic on that. Yeah, I don't I don't have a problem with Ariel shooting there. I feel like he was trying to hit that uh, through the five hole, trying to find the keeper vulnerable right under his uh, right under his legs. But um, yeah. but the important the important thing is the tidiness of Ferreira in that situation. It's a good run from Ariola. Uh, it's a good ball in from Cannon. Um, nothing terribly difficult about the ball in from Cannon, but it's still you know just a good entry pass to pick out that instead of doing something safer. Uh, and then again, just really tidy from Ferreira. Especially the ball, the pass. I mean, the you know the first touch was uh, was fine and everything, but the the pass sort of sat up nicely for Ariola as he uh, galloped into the box. Twenty third minute, Costa Rica. Costa Rica almost scores. This is a this was like the the best chance of the first half, I think, on a on a set piece. I can't remember what the foul was, but it was a set piece from about thirty five yards out, maybe, and um, it was played diagonally towards the the right post, our left post. Um, you know, right of it or left of it, if you're us, oh, this is horrible. <laughs> left of it from our, from the defenses, from the goalkeeper's vantage point, And then it's headed across for Giancarlo Gonzalez, the, the center back. And he, he misses from point blank rage, uh, just hammers it off the crossbar and it goes straight down. Somehow doesn't go in and it remains zero, zero. Have we, have we identified who was, who was on Gonzalez and who, who just sort of just spaced because, uh, he is all alone five yards from the goal. Well, it's got to be one of the center backs, right? It's got to be longer. I'd German. hope so. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, yeah, I hopefully somebody's done the uh, Lejet, crime scene analysis. Huh? I think Legette was trying to chase down, um, was it uh, Was it Leal? Who was, or was it Guzman? I don't know who it was who, who headed it across. Whoever it was, uh, Legette, I, I think, felt like he had to get to him and, and couldn't quite. So it was, some, it was a... It was a training ground thing right yes but that's what i would definitely say is it's a training ground thing uh i don't i don't think it's going to change my assessment of long or zimmerman i think i think we'll just have to it's just one of those for for the lock the video review in the locker room and it gets ironed out pretty quickly yeah i noticed at this point in the game that we were looking susceptible on the counter and costa rica did start to kind of impose themselves and possess the ball a little more after the 20th minute it looked like to me could be wrong. No, that's. I, th- I think I was just late to, to realize it, but because I had like the 27th minute, I was like, man, things are really starting to get a little bogged down for us. Yeah. We got a, we had a corner kick in the 34th minute that Aaron Long headed. Um, it was a legit corner, corner kick. Long got up and hit it pretty well, but flashed it a couple yards wide of the back post. 44th minute, Brendan Aronson got his shot from the top of the box. It was a, a nice little combination from Ferreira and Yanez, and I think Leggett was involved in the middle of the field to get Vines uh, the ball on the wing. Vines' cross kind of pings around and falls to Aronson at the top of the box. His, box, his shot is, uh, I don't know, a yard wide. Pretty good take there. So I really like that exchange from uh, Yanez and, and Leggett. I'm pretty sure this is the one we're thinking of. It just kind of showcased the like composure uh, and control the situation that Giannis has because he gets it, I think, on like the corner of the box, faces a guy up, and then actually doesn't force anything. I know a lot of times when you think of Giannis, you might think that he just wants to like take people 1v1 and go. Yeah. But here, he was really patient, and he let Legette's run develop, and then it was just a really subtle touch from Giannis to just put it in Legette's path. Uh, and I think those two guys had a really good connection and just understanding of um, what the correct play should be, what the correct movement should be, and then both are capable of sort of executing it in in tight spaces. So that was one of the was 
where if you're watching the uh, Anuliana's All Touches video, like that's that's one where he just looks the part. Mm-hmm. There was a point in the earlier in the play where I think Ferreira Ferreira played like kind of a blooped ball to Yanez out on the wing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and yeah, they, yeah. And Yanez took it down in stride with the outside of his right boot. That's a that's a, a technical a display of technical ability and facility that that was really encouraging to me because you know he's he's it's not an easy ball to handle coming at you sort of at a 45 degree angle as you're running forward um and and basically falling right in front of you and your and your where your feet are and he he took it in stride and sort of maximized the advantage that we had in the moment despite a difficult ball coming at him you know yeah, and we we have a bunch of we have a bunch of evidence of him doing that with the U twenties too. So it's just we we know Giannis has all of this in his in his locker, and then we got to see it against grown men because that's always been the Giannis caveat is can he do it against grown ups? And we got we got to see a lot of that happen tonight. Mm-hmm. Aronson should mention Aronson had so that shot was probably you know the high point of the night for him. He also played a pretty nice pass in for in for Ferreira, I believe. That was just a, a tad too heavy. Um, what did you think of Aronson in general? Uh, so my my uh, initial take on Aronson in his, what, 65 minutes tonight uh, was that I like him. I still think of him as sort of a really busy player in a good way. Like I think he's a busy player who is constantly trying to help facilitate things. Uh mm-hmm. But I don't have a lot of confidence in him. And I feel like I'm kind of breaking from the pack here. I don't have a lot of confidence in him when he's actually got the ball at his feet running. So when we find him in space and he gets it and he's going forward, like uh, I don't think he's going to be particularly dangerous with it. And I know in the first half this happened once and he he earned a foul. uh, And I felt like that was basically the only good thing that could have happened from it. Like I never thought he was going to pick out the – like slip somebody in the way Ledesma does when he – plays France in the U-20s. Uh, I didn't think he was going to separate himself from the defenders the way we just saw Dwayne Holmes do it in the championship. Like, I, it doesn't ever seem like Aronson's gonna, going to make the right m- make the right sort of play in that situation. And I'm sure that's harsh because this is 65 minutes of uh, sample size. Yeah. But that was sort of my read on it. So it was, when he's being super busy and just being available and then connecting, you know, one more pass, I think that was where I was... Uh, most appreciative of what he was doing. I don't know that he's going to be a guy who's going to, or I don't know that he was today, a guy who's really going to like solve the problem. Make the difference, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that one time where he, he drew the foul, I, it, it did look like, at least from the you know from the camera angle that we have, it looked like he had an opportunity to slip Yanez in. You know what I'm talking about? Right. And, uh, and he just, he kind of, he didn't want to try it, I guess, or... Yeah, I, I think your your assessment is is pretty much where I fall on him. Forty seventh minute. Uh, this is right before halftime. A clearance falls to Zimmerman way out in uh, I guess zone fourteen. He taps it to Legette, and Legette takes a shot that's deflected and is heading off the deflection pretty much upper ninety and well well saved by Alvarado. I thought. Yeah, legit, legit. I I just really like everything legit does. So, so halftime came and went, and no changes were made by Burhalter, which was which I was happy to see because I, I was I was afraid Uli was you know the dream the dream couldn't be real right. Uli's not going to continue to play after halftime. 
surely he's going to come off at halftime. No, he didn't. He kept playing. And in the 50th minute, he got his goal from the penalty marker, a goal on his debut. Um, it starts with a with Zimmerman winning a Costa Rica goal kick in the air and just punching it down the line for Ariola, who hustles and fights to track it down. Hits it across with his left foot for Ferreira. Ferreira taps it back, does well to bring it down. Yeah, because Ariola fires that ball into yeah, Ferreira. Just smokes it. And then uh so it's back to Legette from Ferreira, and then Legette plays it back to Ariola on the wing. And then Ariola does something clever here. He kind of pauses for a second. Reggie Cannon's overlapping, and Ariola, you know, uh, clips it in behind for him. And Cannon gets goal side on Randall Leal. And Cannon gets brought down, and it's a penalty. Seems like a pretty clear penalty to me. Yep, clear pen. Hey, since we're talking about Ariola's involvement here, uh, I just want to point out that was I thought that was a really good uh, whole c- scenario for Ariola, a whole sequence. Because uh, I'd been a little bit harsh on him at halftime when we were kind of just discussing things. I was like, you know, for being yeah. the guy who's never played a first team minute, Giannis sure looks as good or better than Paul Ariola, who hasn't seemed to do much of anything incisive. Uh, but that from Ariola in the second half and then several other times in the second half, actually, Ariola looked pretty incisive there. Yeah. I mean, definitely hardworking as usual. And, and there was that little moment of incision with the, with the pass to, uh, with the pass to cannon. Uli buries a penalty bottom right corner and celebrates with a fadeaway jumper in honor of Kobe. So. I couldn't be couldn't be happier about that. What a moment for Ulianas. And <laughs> in front of his friends and family, you know? Yes. His dad uh looked like I, his dad put some pictures on Twitter looked like he had like 40 50 people there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh I know I said I was only going to say this once, talk about this once, but I'm already talking about it again. Uh another thing that people always bring up uh cuz I don't care the the fact that he made the penalty doesn't really it's awesome for him. It doesn't really have any uh, effect on sort of his uh, my assessment of him in the game or how he'll perform in the future but one of the sort of things that people will bring up when you talk about guys playing for the national team who have little or no first team experience with their club is that it'll like wreck the locker room uh it'll you know it'll ruin the culture and it just doesn't seem it didn't seem like there was any like ill will toward Uliana's being there they i mean he gets to step up and take the penalty it's not like guys weren't celebrating so it's just a i feel like another sort of argument that should be falling by the wayside uh <laughs> for, for for guys like uli not necessarily not just uli not every single player who's ever played for a or who's playing in a bundesliga academy but sort of a, the good ones yeah, we should be taking more guys into consideration. It's not going to wreck the culture. Like, uh, if they can play, they can play, and people will see it when they when they get their chance. I don't know, man. to To see a to see him go step up and hit that and just like bury it like that that was encouraging to me. You know, um, like in an in an objective way. I am I've always been more mystical than you are. But, yeah, um, else people convert penalties like seventy percent of the time. So he. He he hit a high percentage play. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Pulisic missed some penalties. We don't have like a we don't have like a stone cold penalty taker on the national team, do we? I don't think so. No, it was it was Donovan. I, I feel like our last good one was Donovan. Yeah. So I mean, not not that Giannis is audit, like even going to be in the next camp, but but um, I I didn't see Berhalter's comments after I I did anyone ask him uh, if. Because a lot of times penalty kick takers are selected in advance by the manager. 
I wonder if if Giannis was already named as a penalty taker or if it was just decided in the moment. I don't know because he he was going after the ball. He was demanding the ball from the from the ball boy. Ball boy threw it over the goal and he had to go track it down and he did. So I don't know. I don't know if it was a if it was thing, something that was decided beforehand. It looked like it was something that Uli was dead set on in the moment. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's. I, I was. I was scared he was going to miss it, and that I, and that people would laugh at us, and he and he didn't. So I was happy about that. Yeah. Yes, that vindicates us. His conversion of the penalty is what vindicates us. Sixty-sixth <laughs> minute. Uh, Sam Vines plays a great ball in behind for Yanez, kind of a curving ball from the left wing into the into the box. Yanez tries to toe poke it, either at the back post or at a crashing Zardis. I, I guess I'm not sure. What did it look like to you? My initial read was that he was trying to do a cheeky little like toe outside of the foot, little uh, touch to Zardes, almost like where he's going to try to like put some English on it so that it bounces away from the keeper and then spins into Zardes's path, if I'm going to get very specific yeah, get, about get what, specific. I thought, what I thought was going to happen. He could have also been trying to sort of hit that same kind of ball with English into the into the far post so to score himself. So I'm not sure what he was attempting. Uh, as soon as it hit the keeper's body and hands, uh, Giannis's arms went out in apology to Zimmerman, or I'm sorry, to Zardes, it looked like. Yeah. Uh, like, okay, I see you. Yeah, I could have I found you, but um, I don't know. We, we need we need, we need to, to interview answer that Giannis, one. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a better thing if he was trying to pass it to Zardes, um, try to trick the keeper, but I don't know. Um, should have done better there. 77th minute, uh, another chance. Uh, legit corner, a, a legit corner skips through to Zimmerman on the back post, and his shot is saved by a kick save from Alvarado. And then 85th minute, legit cross after his legit crosses it after his own corner falls back to him, and there's a lovely Zardis glancing header to the to the far post, but Zardis was offside. There were several chances. There were several Costa Rican chances in here. I don't know. Did you record any of those and want to talk about them? Absolutely not. I told you guys I, I barely care about the defense in this game. Yeah, why do you not care about the defense? The reason I don't care about the defense is because I, I should, because uh, Vines is a new defender and because uh, Jackson Ewell's ability to like help protect our back line is still an open question and a big deal. Uh, but mostly, mostly I just cared about uh, the attack. Uh, Zimmerman, long known commodity, so it's not like anything that happened in this game was going to change too much of our assessments of them. Uh, they're pretty; they're like they're good last ditch defenders, right? Right, right. And and as far as like Yanez goes, and even to an extent Aronson, uh, I mean, we know what Ariola is going to do defensively too. So it was just like as as long as Yanez doesn't completely look uh, like Kenny Seff against Colombia, then then he can be coached. Like you can coach a guy to get in position. If our defense is just going to be to get in position, yeah. he didn't get thrown around like a rag doll. That's really all. He, I mean, he wasn't disinterested in defending. So if, if Costa Rica had stolen one on a set piece or hit us on the counter once, I, I would have just been living with that. I wouldn't, wouldn't have changed too much of my opinion. I was, I was looking for how we could connect and how we could build and how we could be incisive Yeah, more than anything. Well, how do you grade our incisiveness overall? Uh, probably like a B. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I think it's almost unreasonable to against a, a competent opponent. This isn't Guyana, you know. This isn't Cuba. Uh, against a competent opponent of grownups like you, the heart with a new group of players uh, thrown thrown together, 
Like it's just, it's basically too difficult to get everything right all the way into the 18 to goal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we still did a couple of times. uh, And then maybe just the last touch was off. So I'd say it's a B. The game that actually reminded me a lot of was uh, from the Sarakin era when we played Paraguay and really controlled the game, really controlled the, uh, the ball and possession, but basically controlled it around the box the attacking 18 and never really could find guys in there uh, in super dangerous uh, positions where all they have to do is apply the finishing touch. And I think we won that game on a penalty as well. Uh, so yeah. that that's that's for me that's what it right. was. I, I would for sure take this game and, and know that it's something that we're going to build off of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do. I'll tell you what my biggest concern is from this game. And it's like it's the it's a concern that sort of extends to the rest of our games, any game that's coming up is, uh, is that our center backs just are not that good in possession. You know, I know John Brooks is good in is good in possession, but there's always a question of like, is he going to play? Is he going to be able to play? And, um, Zimmerman and long are, it's just sort of reinforced today. Like they're not, they're not going to break lines. They're they're not comfortable, not super comfortable under pressure. They just don't make passes that unsettle the opponent by and large. And you know Zimmerman even had like a pretty bad giveaway and got an earful from Berhalter about it. <laughs> so so I, and I don't know who who's who's better is I don't I don't know that Miazga is noticeably better than than these guys at passing the ball. So what you're after here isn't necessarily just like a safe guy you can play it to. He doesn't have stone feet, but you want a guy who actually will. Uh, give us another. Uh, so it's not just Jackson Ewell's job to right to thread the pass. Another like, way right. to progress the ball. Right. Uh, whether it's advancing it on on their own or whether it's hitting the pass. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. No player immediately comes to mind. That's that's supposed to be sort of McKenzie's mo, right? Is that he can he can hit the pass? Yeah. And maybe Miles Robinson has a bit of the advance the ball at his feet. Yeah. And you know, there's uh, there's great hopes about Richards, but. I don't know that that's that's quite there with him either. Maybe we can buy a, a center back from France for ten million dollars or something. Does does Tim Ream uh, is he a place placeholder in that position then? I think he's above average f- for the pool on that in that respect, wouldn't you say? So, so if Tim Ream had been there and it was Tim Ream and Aaron Long uh, as our two center backs with Ewell as the other guy breaking lines, you, you'd think we'd maybe are we just got thirty three percent better at passing out of that back triangle. Yes. Yeah. Reem, the indispensable man. <laughs> I don't I don't mean I don't disagree with that. I, I do think that's that can be an issue. Uh and, and we want to have as many avenues to move that ball forward as possible. Serginio Dest makes a big difference too because he's you know, he's so dynamic in progressing the ball from fullback. Um Yeah, but Cannon's not Cannon's not bad either, in my opinion. No, Cannon Cannon had a really solid game for me. Yeah, did you? I saw some people saying he was like the best player for the U.S. on the night, on the afternoon. I'm not sure I saw that, but I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, I, I did too. It's tough because uh, I, I thought the way we were moving the ball around uh, really freed anyone up from having to be the best player on the pitch. I'd, I'd on, honestly probably end up giving mine to Yule just because of that pass that he was providing that we've been starved for. Uh, I mean, again, it's nothing flashy. It's just somebody has to actually be brave enough to do it. And we haven't had that in so long, uh, that, 
I think that's what can sort of set us apart. That's what's going to be the key. And then we still need the attackers to do their sexy attacking stuff. So if Yule is is settling into that role and becoming really good at it, does that mean we're going to when we see Tyler Adams back with the national team, he's going to be an eight? <laughs> I suppose we should talk about that too, shouldn't we? I mean, it. I don't know. Does, does Adams have that? Can Adams disguise that pass? I know. You, I know you're a big fan of Adams's passing. Um, I I don't. To be honest, I think he could. I think Adams can play that pass, and I don't think it's all about the disguise. Uh, I think Adams just does it everything so quickly, and I don't want to say Yule's Yule's like a slow player, but Yule even even today, even when he's hitting that pass, and you could say that it's intentional. But he's sort of very deliberate. So maybe you'd say, well, he's deliberate because he wants to give the defenders an extra beat to read his hips because he knows he's going to go somewhere else with it. Yeah. And that's totally fair. Uh, but I think Adams is is super quick to release the ball. Uh, so that's it might true. be where he releases it before the defenders have set to where his hips are going to go. I don't know. Um we're it's just going – we're going kind of stream – go ahead. You finish what you were no, going to say. I, I'm just saying it's going to be a an interesting – uh, March, June, July, September with, with all of the games and all of the splintering of the rosters uh, to see sort of who fits what roles and who complements who. Yeah, who it's, a, it's who. a little bit dizzying to think about because there's so many different moving parts. I, I, I was going to say one thing you, ma- you said made me think of something that I noticed in the game, and that is that uh, in general – we did not move the ball fast enough. I bet I bet Berhalter would said that in the post game, which I have not seen yet. But like uh, you, you're talking about, you will maybe being a little bit slow. Maybe it's because he's disguising his intentions and you know deliberately deceiving. Therefore, he has to take a beat. But I just thought, in general, the way we move the ball out of the back could have been faster, could have been crisper. And Adams does bring that um, just sort of urgency, you know. So that would be that's a that's a strong argument to continue with Adams at the six. Not to mention all the defensive stuff that's going to come into play when we're you know when a game really really matters. Uh, do we want do we want to keep going with the Adams Yule uh, implications? Yes, the implications. So if if Yule becomes that uh, line breaking six, um, that what puts Adams probably in the spot that Sebastian Legette was occupying. Yeah, that's not his. That's not his strong suit. <laughs> and then, does Legette move over to the spot that Aronson was occupying, or does does Legette once again drop to the bench? And is Weston McKenney on the field in this scenario anywhere? And what about Dwayne Holmes? Automatic. What call about up what about Dwayne March? Holmes? Yeah, well, Aronson's not. I don't think Aronson's going to be involved with the senior team in March. No, I don't think that's. I don't think he's really pushing that right now. Um, so we can take him out of the equation and. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what I don't know what Berhalter's gonna do. I think what I I think I still want. Yeah, no, I I don't think I know. I still want Adams at the six, and then uh, probably I think I'm gonna I'm gonna say Holmes and Legit. I'm gonna say Holmes and Legit at the moment. Okay, so Ewell falls off. But my other question was gonna be: Does Ewell have to be in that deep lying role to hit those? Uh, incisive passes, or could he be hitting them from the spot Legette was in? Could he be hitting them from the spot that Aronson was in? Uh, I don't know. I mean, is, does the system allow the Legette to come back deep the way Yule does? I mean, you'd think that against a sophisticated team, you, or even against an unsophisticated one that decides to sit on Yule, you want to have some variability there on like 
who comes back to 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 get the ball into the attacking half you know right some kind of rotations in mind uh i just yeah i don't feel like we saw that much of today did we no we didn't have to because costa rica just had the one player high uh and then honestly like a band of five so uh their their band of five almost looked like sort of a flying v where the the guy in the middle would step up to yule but he wasn't trying to deny yule the ball he wasn't trying to really make life difficult for yule his job was basically just to start to put some pressure on Ewell as he was receiving it is sort of what it, what it looked like to me. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody, if, if, if you went Uruguay style and actually were like, okay, Ewell has been controlling the tempo of this game for the first 25 minutes. Let's eliminate him from the game altogether. Then I don't, then I think you would have to uh, add somebody else to the mix. Cause I don't think Ewell is going to somehow break that down himself. Right. He's not just going to evade the, the sort of shadow that he'd be assigned. Yeah. He, he, you know, he's clever. He can be clever, but he's not, um, he's not going to take that responsibility on his shoulders. Do we need to say anything else, anything else about Cannon, Legette, Yule? I don't think so. Ariola. I mean, the, the, he had that good moment that we talked about. Otherwise he kind of, he was who he is. You talking Ariola there? Yeah. Yeah. And I think they, I think what was good about those guys was that they were a nice, stable, uh, group for the, for the youths. To bounce off of yeah and to and to be compared with in some ways. right yep. yeah so that was their job and, and you, you might have noticed uh a bunch of them didn't come off uh a lot of the a lot of the long i think was the only veteran to get subbed out mckenzie or uh, areola yule cannon zimmerman uh legit all played 90 minutes hmm. yeah so, how did you how did you what did you think of mckenzie did you notice anything from him no, not really at all. And it, it was just, I don't know, maybe it was just a, all of the subs sort of got, got a little, the game kind of dissolved, but it, did you, I mean, did, did you see a lot? Dissolved. I didn't. So we're going to have to do a, we're going to have to do a rewatch, uh, a rewatch episode. Let's see. We should talk more about Ferreira. Where does he fit into, where does he fit into the pecking order at this point? <laughs> all right. So here's the question I had lined up for you about Ferreira. Uh, like just take all Olympic considerations aside uh, who who would you rather see suit up for the men's national team in the next game as the number nine, Ferreira or Sargent? Uh. <laughs> like, did Ferreira do enough here? And I'm not saying we have to draw any full conclusions about who's better right now, but you've got 90 minutes to get more data in a friendly situation. Who would you rather see get that? Who would you rather get that data on at the moment? Ferreira, yeah. Here, <laughs> here's why. I mean, we we've gotten we've gotten some data on on Sargent, right? And we know that he is a he is a he's a player with with a lot of potential, um, but Ferreira looks like he's a lot smarter at playing this the striker position, don't you think? Uh, I I I mean certainly intelligence looked, quotient. <laughs> I'm I'm like I'm trying to dance around it, but yeah, he he just looked completely at home, didn't he? he I mean, he looked like a total natural in this. Uh, set up today he looked like he uh, knew what he was he knew what he was doing at every moment of the game and he it looked like he knew where all the other pieces were too um which is a huge deal now i want to say we've seen sergeant look like that for the u.s at times uh back way back in 2018 i don't think he's looked like that in 2019 but for for uh greg berhalter but some of that has been where he's playing in games where no one on the team looks like they know what they're doing 
Yeah. So it's tough. It's a real small sample size of Sargent in the Burhalter era. And a lot of that sample size has to be thrown out because it was against Cuba or because it was everyone was made to look bad. Yeah. I'm well, not saying you don't it, throw it out completely. It's not all meaningless, but uh, it's hard. It, again, it's just really hard to draw any real conclusions so far. The thing is, Sargent has looked, um, he's gotten to play as a nine for Werder Bremen. Uh, the, he started the first two games of the second half of the season for them and didn't look good in either of those. And then, you know, he was, he was, he was benched. I mean, benched is a strong word, but they, they brought in a new striker, Davy Selka. They, they played up uh, 2002 in the starting lineup uh, today, in fact. And then Sergeant came on for like the last three minutes. I think he touched the ball once. So I, uh, so I, you know, it's not just the way, the way he's been playing with the U S it's the way he's been playing with Werder Bremen is, is similar, similarly sort of lethargic and I don't know, foggy. <laughs> just looks a little foggy. I'm not trying to be harsh. I want every like everything I want Sergeant to to become that ruthless striker we 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 hope he can be, but he's just not that right now, you know. I don't even I don't even want him to be the ruthless one. I mean, I would take that. I just want him to be the one who looks like he's like carefree. Like I you just keep going back to that uh that game he played for the US against Bolivia or whoever it was, uh where he just was having fun and he was just combining with Acosta and Amen and Wea and it was just everything was clicking. Uh yeah. And and it's like you, you just want to see that fluidity and that sort of uh uh attitude and that sort of style. Mm. Yeah. Which it hasn't. It looks like he's had all of that hammered out of him in Germany. He <laughs> I mean, he has moments of style. It's just like he has a lot of moments where he's just he's just sort of like marking the center back. That's to steal a phrase of yours. He, where he's just like sort of walking with the center back or walking with whoever's marking him. And, um, and there's, doesn't seem to be like an urgency to make, to create separation. Ferreira just, Ferreira seemed to be moving with a lot of purpose today. And yes. Um, and I, I, I like that. And no, I, I, go ahead. I, I agree with you. If, if, in, if we had 90 minutes to use in March, uh, where it was going to be one of those two, that's who was available. Uh, I would, I would probably give the lion's share of it to Ferreira. Not to say, at least from from me, not to say that I think Ferreira is a better player than Sargent. I'm not saying that. I just I just am more curious at the moment. Let's see. Uh, do, should we sing Uliana's praises anymore? <laughs> I think they've been well sung. Okay. Uh, again, all of, all of these things about uh, would you take him in March for the senior team? Probably going to be moot. But I'll say for Uli, uh, he needs to be in a U.S. national team uniform in March. So if he doesn't get released for the Olympics, like he needs to be on the senior team then in against Wales and the Netherlands. Uh, and maybe that means you bring five wingers. Cause I think we could probably come up with five wingers who should probably be there then. Uh, but he should be, we should be getting more data on Ulianas in March yeah. one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, check out the all touches video that, that Sanjeev put together. Sanjeev. Did you already put one out? Yeah. Of course, of course he did. It's you know he has his tw- his Twitter cut which is two minutes twenty seconds by law, <laughs> but there's also the he in the thread he also posts the the YouTube a YouTube video of all the touches, and this one isn't going to get taken down for copyright reasons. Nobody really cares about the U.S. men's national team games in that respect, and um, I'm telling you, man, the, the all touches is almost as flattering as the as the two twenty cut. It's that he did a lot of good stuff. 
Yeah, and and just the way he again he just looks in total control of the situation when he has the ball. Uh, I think it was less than two minutes in uh, on our own half, like a ball got floated to him and he brought it down and then just drove a ball forty five yards across the field. Yep, uh, to the right wing. I was just like, okay, <laughs> yeah, on I mean, like on Reggie Cannon's foot. Yeah, and it's it's kind of a nothing play. He's a professional soccer player. That's what that's what they do. But still, for, I mean, it's still his very first touch in a national team uniform, and it's just like, okay, he's he's just out here messing around. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that doesn't get beaten out of him, Sar- Josh Sargent style. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, he could have been he could have been better in the attacking third. If we're gonna be you know completely rigorous about this whole thing, he should he he his his final third decisions slash uh connections were were not were not quite there not quite there but you could see uh how almost where there they were and that happened really early too i think the first time he got the ball like at the corner of the box uh one of the first times like uh, this is one where he totally shook a guy cutting into his right foot uh and then he did not connect he attempted a shot i'm pretty sure did not connect on it kind of like topped it and it just rolled harmlessly into the box into the uh goalkeeper area but like just the way he shook that dude, his his touch to shake him was a little too heavy to get his own shot off. Yeah. Uh, he, but like he, you could see, took himself into another defender a little. Yeah. Bit. But again, you you basically see like right there, like oh, this is a guy who will be able to create his own shot. Yeah. He also crossed the ball with his left foot. That um, there was like just a desperate stab by the center back to prevent it uh, going to Ariola, I think it was, at the near post. So I mean the. The goals will come in the run of play, I think. Goals slash assists. All right. I mean, Sean Johnson, I don't really have anything to say about him. Do you? No. No. Goalkeepers were uh, not needed very much. We never, we didn't, have, well, we went back to him a few times and like we're playing possession all the way back into our end, own end line and corner flag, uh, which I actually think is very nice to see in a January friendly. Yeah, there was one time where we got pressed, and oh, you know, we haven't we haven't talked about is Sam Vines. We haven't talked about oh, him sure. at all. Sure, Sam. What did you think? Uh, I I think Vines all I think all of Daniel Lovitz's minutes from 2018 could have gone to Sam Vines. Is that is that fair? I mean, maybe Vines maybe Vines has matured in the last 12 months in ways that we are not aware of. Um, Half of Lovitz's 2019 minutes could have gone to Sam Vines. I know a lot of people. A lot of people were pretty impressed with Vines, and I, I was too. I thought, um, as particularly that one time where he chopped the ball around the defender, and and then uh, you know he drew he 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 got a corner kick out of it. He didn't he didn't get a cross off. Oh, this this is the one where he, let's let's say it. He had a bit of a whiff on the actual cross. Yes, but the right. but the touch before that to get around yes. the defender was was. I love seeing that from a defender. And then um and they play that ball to Yanez. And then he's just like he's just solid. He's just solid defensively and kind of in possession. Doesn't we'll have s- to see. We'll have to see if he's solid defensively because we didn't really get well, no one really got to show how solid defensively they were today. Yeah, that's true. But he's he's solid defensively in major league soccer. Okay. And um I I've seen him play uh I, I saw him play here at in Minnesota one time and was just really impressed with his athleticism and his his sort of alertness and connectedness to the other defenders. He's a he's a guy who wants to stop the other team from scoring goals. Would AC Milan have paid ten million for him? <laughs> I, I can't Six believe million? that whole thing, man. Can you believe that? That is the craziest thing. 
No, that's wild. That that was a wild uh, sequence of events. Um, so it's too bad it didn't work out for Anthony Robinson, but man, it's I was too, not, I did not see that coming. It's too bad it didn't work out for Wigan. What are they going to do when they go, when they get relegated and have to sell them for one and a half million to Luton Town? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I don't think he's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I want to see more vines. I guess is what I, is what my takeaway from it. You think you think he put himself in a really good spot though for Olympic qualifying at the very least, right? For sure, for sure, yeah. Because I doubt Anthony Robinson gets released for that. And who are the other left back contenders? I guess you know Gasper's not eligible. Uh uh-uh. uh Kobe Hernandez Foster, who hasn't even gotten a look from the U twenty threes and is very young. Yeah, there's there's not really uh, there's not really much competition. I don't think. Okay, well, Vine's definitely like uh, I mean, he he gave Jason Christ every reason to believe that he could do it. He could do the job in March. Yep, and do it with. Oh, that's an, an interesting. Probably he's going to be doing it with Ulianas on his side of the field. Right? Does, isn't that what it seems like? Yeah. So that that'll actually be pretty fun because, uh, like. There isn't actually a ton of urgency to get these guys into the national team march because the priority now is Olympic qualifying. Yep. Uh, I I always wanted guys to skip U23 camps if it was just U23 camp if they were good enough to play for the senior team. Uh, but once you're in this actual qualifying, like get Vines there, get Ulianas there if we can get him, uh, and and then we get to watch him. Hopefully, fingers crossed, like do it again in Tokyo, and then we'll have a really good idea of who among that group uh, should maybe be included in September, if anyone. Yeah. There's going to be, there's going to be a lot of guys who are going to be, uh, who are going to emerge, I think for, for world cup qualifying in the whole, in the whole Olympic uh, situation. I think so. I mean, there's, well, think about, think about who's go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just basically say when we talk about the group, which is who you're trying to beat out, like the, there are a lot of low bars in that group, I think. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the spots are there. And so if guys get in front of our, the U S staff and, and do the job, uh, I just, I feel like there could be a, de- a decent amount of turnover, uh, between now and September. I forget who all Brian Shreda had in his projected, uh, Olympic qualifying roster, but he had, he did have Ledesma in there. So let's, let's say that's true. And, and then we got Cannon. Death's not going to get released for Olympic qualifying. So we got uh, Cannon on the right side, Vines on the left side, probably Mackenzie and Richards, maybe, maybe Glad at center. Back. Miles Robinson. Oh yeah, Miles Robinson. If he's released, Atlanta right. doesn't. Atlanta don't play ball no more. <laughs> and then and then we'll have Yule at the six. Cervania, uh, maybe. Cervania, maybe. Yeah, Aronson will probably be in the mix. Ledesma. Yana's on one wing. Reyna's not going to probably get released for this, even if he, if even if they wanted him. Now, and this this is the other reason I thought it was interesting that Ariola started. Not interesting because I expected it, but uh, it never it never really even occurred to me that that Gre- that Burhalter would start Yanez and Jonathan Lewis in the same game. I feel like you can't do that. I don't know why. Uh, Giannis would actually seem pretty up for it defensively today. Um, Lewis did not seem terribly up for it defensively, no. but it just seemed like that would be too reckless to throw both of those guys on as your wingers, uh, and expect, uh, that you'd get enough defensive work out of them. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'm being too conservative, but I feel like it'd be more like a Giannis on the left, 
like a Brooks Lennon, Paul Ariola clone on the right. Uh, Brooks Lennon. <laughs> you don't know, man. Like and Atlantic turned him into Julian Gressel in less than a year. Yeah, Frank DeBoer has been really um, skyrocketing players' careers in Atlanta <laughs> since he arrived. You know, you brought up Jonathan Lewis and uh, and said you know he 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 didn't give a lot of effort on the defensive end. He wasn't. I, I didn't think he was effective with the ball either in his limited minutes. Did you? No, it was it was a, a clear step down from Giannis, and that's that could have just been on the day. Maybe Lewis would have looked cleaner uh, if we play this game again. But on the day, no, looked nothing close to as comfortable as Uliannis out there. There you go, Matt Doyle. <laughs> First team minutes be damned. Giannis, a clearly superior option there. On the day, just on be, the day, just to be on the safe. Um, Ferreira. Ferreira is going to be the striker for the for the U twenty threes. Is he eligible? Do we know it? Do we know that? I think he has to be right. I don't think he could have played in this. This is an official FIFA game. I mean, this counts on the this counts on the Elo that's rankings. That's true. That's true. Okay, so Ferreira's probably the striker. Uh, Brooks Lennon's the right winger. Maybe Sebastian <laughs> Salcedo. Ulianis can play right wing if he needs to. That's true. Uh, so man, Olympic qualifying did, did is starting even, to get we even starting to get excited pa- about that. Yeah, did we even say Paxton Pomacall? No, or we Keith didn't. Park? But is he going to be? Is he going to be healthy? Is, pa- is Pomacall going to be healthy? I thought your surgeon was taking care of him. <laughs> I know. I'm Myers. I was. I was so full of praise for Doctor Myers, who rejected my request for an interview, and um, now I'm going to have to give him the old NYCFC. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I, we're this is spiraling out of control. Anything else? Anything else we should talk about? Uh, the women, the women play. I think the women have already advanced into the Olympic qual, the Olympic semifinal. Didn't they win their last game like eight zero or something? Yes, they did. They're they're really good. They have, I mean, they're historically talented. So uh, they should they should have no issues qualifying. They'll they'll win their last game. It's more or less. A, no, it's it's not technically dead rubber because if they lose the game, they're ahead on goal difference. But if they lose their last group stage game, they'd probably have to play Canada in the do or die, which is a big deal. So uh, they need to win their next game, and then uh, and then they'll coast into into the Olympics. Would you say it's kind of like Hillary Clinton in 2016? <laughs> <laughs> it it probably is. Yes. No. No. The, no. It's it's, it's much higher percentage of, of winning. I think Hillary was down to like seventy percent by election day in two thousand sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. No politics on this podcast, Greg. Stop that. <laughs> I was just going by the percentages. I was just I was just doing the math. <laughs> okay. Just, I was just telling you what the math was. <laughs> good. Good. Um. I think we're good. I think we I think we've done everything we can do here. We'll, we'll we got to do a top forty. We got Olympic qualifying rosters. There's, there's so much going on. It's going to be, it's going to be a pretty exciting uh, month and a half of speculation. Yeah. It's February 1st already. So, I mean, quali- Olympic qualifiers start in 50 days. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks Greg for uh, making this work. We'll see ya. 